Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. I am happy to be joined by Jordan Vanek today. Did I say that last name right? I wanted to double check with you before the show, but I totally forgot. Vanek, but you're good. Vanek. I, I get right, that I all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so happy to have you on, man. Welcome. How's your day going so far? It's going well. Uh, the game, playoff games went a little bit differently than I anticipated, but it's the playoffs, and um, I'll I'll eat the being wrong side of things with Josh and company later, later in the week. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that in just a second. I can't believe how that game turned out. Before, I'm just going to play a quick round of bills really quick. The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-day parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. So, yeah, we, you know, we'll get into that game in just a second. Yeah, I figured, you know, this is we're going to be diving into some dynasty talk today, but I figured we would start off with the playoffs since it is playoff weekend. Um, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I've never felt so numb after a playoff win. I'll tell you that right now. Patrick Mahomes goes down with an injury in the second drive of the game. He was limping around. Oh, man, I just I, – I we the Chiefs won. It was a struggle. Patrick Mahomes made some great plays. But, man, I am concerned about next week. What were some of your thoughts? For me, I, I look like you guys with Patrick Mahomes' injury, even like having that, you still were just the unbeatable type of team that you are on the offensive side of the ball. The amount of plays where the Jaguars did play the perfect coverage, they did have the perfect call, but – it doesn't matter because you extend plays and or if you need to, you just go to Kelsey and contest the coverage. It's scary how lethal you guys can be. The Bengals are going to be a different test. Mm-hmm. Luana Morrow is looking at that game from a standpoint of he can't if he's not mobile. I'm collapsing that pocket with three just like he did in the AFC championship game last year. If they were able to get pressure with three, if you guys can handle that, you guys will be moving the ball fine. But you're going to need Tony and some of these other guys to kind of step up and make plays after the ball gets in their hands. Yeah. Like you're saying that three man pat. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that we play, but you know, our three interior linemen are fantastic. I love Creed Humphreys, um, Tooney in there. Um, you know, they're all fantastic. I'm concerned about our edge guys though. Orlando Brown, um, you know, he just hasn't lived up. He gets beat around the edge a lot. So I'm a little bit concerned about what their defensive ends are going to do against us. So, We'll see what happens. I'm very, you know, Patrick Mahomes just didn't look the same after that. You know, he was just throwing completely using his arm instead of, you know, he he delays, he uses his legs a lot when he throws and he generates a lot of power from that. So I'm a little concerned about that. It is diagnosed as a high ankle sprain. So, you know, if he was a running back or a wide receiver, he'd be slated to miss significant time, but he's a quarterback. So he's going to try to tough it out. Isaiah Pacheco had a great game yesterday, too. 12 carries, 96 uh, yards. Um, I just didn't think he was used enough in the second half. You know, it seems like they would lean on him a little bit more in the second half with Patrick Mahomes nursing an injury, but they chose not to do that. Um, you know, do you how, what, what are your feelings on his game so far? You know, I I, I was a little bit critical on how he kind of ran uh, earlier on in the season, but it seems like he, his vision is improving a little bit. He's, he's reading the defense a little bit better. What are some of your thoughts? For me, with Pacheco, he's just – he doesn't make the quickest of reads like he's still he's learning he was a quarterback he converted to running back and made all those transitions so there's a lot to his game the problem is is how fast is he going to continue to grow because i don't think i think he's a product of the offense he's in i feel like this is just a really good landing spot with how teams have to defend you guys with two safeties back lighter boxes it's just the benefit of being a chiefs running back like mckinnon caught nine touchdowns this year just being a part of the offense always brings out the best of the situation. I think seeing him in last week's game, the biggest thing that I saw from uh, the change was McKinnon can pick up pass pro. Isaiah Pacheco cannot. So in Mahomes dealing with the ankle injury that he's dealing with, I think it's just going to be a heavy dose of McKinnon just because of that reasoning. And when Pacheco's on the field, I expect it to be the screen game or actually using utilizing him as a running back but it's going to be predictable and you just don't want to have that when you're going up against a Luana Morrow defense. You know, I like that you said that. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, we could see a little bit more McKinnon this week. Um, he, yeah. You know, we, I mean, if you look at it athletically, McKinnon is like, maybe you know, has an argument to be the most athletic running back tested of all time. You know, just that is, <laughs> his, I mean, he's, he's just, I mean, it's like 90, not eighth percentile on everything. Um, he, you know, it, 
it's just amazing how we're seeing this eight ninth year breakout here, kind of like Cordero Patterson last year. Um, you know, it slowed down a little bit in the last couple. He, you know, he, with somebody with such a small uh, workload in the rushing game, you know, it it was going to be inconsistent. You know, he was going to have a hard time keeping up all the, that touchdown rate, but he's still been playing fantastic. Uh, the last mm -hmm. note I had on Kansas City Chiefs here was, uh, man, uh, Kadarius Tony pacing the team in targets. Um, you know, other than um, the wide receivers and targets. I'm sorry, we all know that Travis Kelsey had a fantastic <laughs> game and had like 15, 16 targets, but yeah. pacing the wide receivers in targets, he had he saw seven. No one else saw more than two. I don't think. Um, you know, are we? Are we? You know, is he emerging as the? You know, is it going to be someone different every week, or are we seeing Kadarius Tony maybe taking that step as maybe being the lead wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs? I think it'll be someone different every week, but I think mm -hmm. the all season is going to give him a lot of room to grow just because you'll have him under control of the contract and you'll see Juju being a free agent and some of these other guys. Like for me, he MBS is was a full time player in last week's game. So was Juju. Didn't see them get much work in the passing game because it just wasn't needed. Mahomes is always just going to go to the right guy in the situation and you guys were using a lot of quick throws against them because they started playing a little bit more off coverage once you started meeting them. And once that happened, it was just Kadarius Tony, like, just get me six yards after the catch, like basically a running play. And he was able to stay in bounds towards the end. I think you guys threw him like a bubble screen and instead or stay in bounds and keep the clock rolling and stuff. So from Kadarius Tony's game, receivers learning a whole new playbook, especially with a receiver with a track record of him. It's kind of like how much can he really get done? I think the injury being able to kind of focus a little bit more on the playbook was huge for him. I think next week's game will be the real test to see how much he get utilized because you guys have a rotation at this receiver position. It doesn't really matter who's in there for Patrick Mahomes. He just kind of makes it work, whether it's Justin Watson, MBS, Juju, Kadarius, Sky Moore. It's just the whole rotation at that spot. With ankle, his ankle injury, I could see you guys using more 12 personnel because keeping the tight end in and trying to just beat them on certain routes. But you're going to need some receiver to win against this Bengals defense. And when they do win, they need to make a catch on like what Gabe Davis did this past game. Yeah, and they're going to push us this weekend. I know that um, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are going to abuse our cornerbacks. It's not going to be like this past game. Um you know, that I'm envisioning, you know, the defense played really well this past week. I'm not envisioning that to be the case. I'm nervous because I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to put up 30 plus. So I just don't know if he'll do that on that ankle. Uh, just diving into the Jaguars, you know, Lawrence, solid, but unspectacular. Ma you know, made some of those critical mistakes that the Kansas City Chiefs made him pay for, unlike the Los Angeles Chargers in that big comeback. Um uh, but yeah, you know, I think the sky's the limit for this guy going forward. You know, I do have, you know, I'm going to talk about him a little, maybe a little bit later, but um, I have him, I believe, as my quarterback eight in my dynasty rankings. You know, I have moved him up significantly. You know, I, I was pretty hot. You know, I was, I got a little down early in the season. You know, I, I did think, a, you know, Urban Meyer made a case for being the worst coach of all time. So, you know, you give, you give uh, Trevor Lawrence some competent coaching and we saw what would happen. He still had some issues with the turnovers, but, you know, he made a lot better decisions this year, you know, was able to double the touchdowns and cut the interceptions in half. So, you know, when you can do that, you're going to uh, have a lot bigger year. So what do you say, you know, you, you think you see we, Trevor Lawrence maybe taking that next step or do you maybe see in that inconsistent play where you think we'll see that inconsistent play again next year? Oh, for me, it's the second year league for him. I kind of yeah. throw out the Urban Meyer year and mm -hmm. Doug Peterson talked about building this thing from scratch and he did. He built it from scratch. We saw the surface of Trevor Lawrence being great towards the end of the season, but in these kind of bigger games, his mechanics fell off and you saw some aired throws and some things that you just didn't see when he was in his hot streak. The talent's there. I, I think he is a quarterback that if we're going Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence, I feel like they're equivalent in terms of the way I feel about it for the standpoint of you have Herbert with every bit of his weapons aging versus Trevor Lawrence, who's going to gain Calvin Ridley atop of Christian Kirk and Zay Jones being established. And there's a lot of people talking, well, Kurt, Trevor Lawrence only threw to the slot. Well, he did because that's where they were winning. That's that's kind of the situation of the field that they're making plays on. Because guess what? The entire NFL wins in the slot, whether it's a tight end position lining up in the slot or different situations. And Ridley can play the slot. He can play out wide. He's capable of kind of mixing and matching. And also, if they want to get him in the slot, they'll put him in a bunch formation. And some of these places from a data perspective will label Ridley as an outside receiver on a bunch formation that's tight. And that's incorrect in my eyes because it's kind of like you can technically run a lot of slot routes and switch it off the line of scrimmage and different things. So 
look, Doug Peterson now gets to take a next step in his playbook and he gets to feature more of Trevor Lawrence. The weapons are young. This team's growing. They need to get back Jawan Taylor. They need to get some of the offense line kind of situated and definitely sure some things up on the defensive side of the ball. But Trevor Lawrence, to me, is in the Joe Burrow, the Herbert. I, I agree that he should be looked at as one of the top options in Dynasty. Yep, I have him just below those guys. Not quite in that tier yet, but he is knocking on the door for sure. I'm excited. You know, I, I bought I bought in. I was drafting him in the first round. You know, this is a Dynasty. So I'll, you know, I'll talk about Dynasty. I was drafting him in the first round of Dynasty Leagues a couple years ago when he was coming out of college, you know, in my Superflex drafts. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, it obviously the first year was a disaster, but I'm feeling much more confident now. Uh, yeah. The next matchup we'll get into here, uh, Philadelphia versus New York. You know, I, I thought Philadelphia might give him a smack, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Uh, it was, yeah, just a complete blowout. Uh, the Daniel Jones hype train came down to a crashing halt. You know, I think, obviously, I think it's somewhere in between for Daniel Jones. Maybe we, people were overhyping him a little bit before this week too much. Um, but, but you know, obviously, he still doesn't have any wide receiver weapons. We saw Isaiah Hodgins finally fall back to earth as well. Um, so I think we need to give Daniel Jones a chance next year. I think he certainly earned some money and, uh, you know, he, he really, his rushing production really what stepped up this year. You know, I, he hadn't had over, I think 400 yards, you know, he had about 750 yards this year rushing. So we saw that improve this year. What's your outlook on Daniel Jones going forward? The Giants are in an interesting spot because how much do you pay him? That's, that's going to be the real boil down because when you look at him versus the, Obviously, the top quarterbacks, like top quarterbacks, are going to be in the 40s, $40 million a year. Daniel Jones, you're looking 30 would be ideal. 35 might be his asking price. And are you paying him $10 million less than Mahomes? And that becomes like a I don't know situation because Dable made the offense perfect to him. Dable is capable of that type of scheme. And Kafka and him worked extremely well. It was a blend of what we see in Kansas City versus what we're seeing or what we saw in Buffalo. And the reality is, is, yeah, they just had the least talented probably roster amongst any of the playoff teams, especially at the positions you want it the most with receiver and uh, some of the linebackers and safeties and just kind of that type of thing. So for the Giants side of things, I think they need to just go out and try their best to get a Brandon Ayuk, get a T. Higgins, like try to find one of these receivers that are possibly about to get paid a team that could potentially put them on the block and see if you can find an asking price that makes sense. I feel like Joe Burrow is going to be the type of guy to take less so that he can keep T Higgins and Jamar Chase. But in general, I think this is a spot for the Giants. They need to go get one of these guys. They need to stay away from any D hop or any of the guys in the 20, like late twenties, go after a guy who, or Cortland Sutton, a Judy is someone that hasn't necessarily shown their one, but in an offense that Dable was running, just get put to the best of their talents and let Hodgins, Richie James, and Slayton operate as two threes and fours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be maybe looking at wide receiver in the draft a little bit this year. You know, obviously, you know, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are free agents this year. You know, I would expect both of them to be back. They'll probably use the franchise tag on somebody. You know, I would think maybe Saquon Barkley would be a good candidate for that franchise tag. You negotiate maybe a two or three year deal with Daniel Jones. I imagine he's I imagine maybe him, they, neither one of them will want to lock in a long-term con. You know, Daniel Jones might want to bet on himself. You know, he's probably not going to make that $40 million this year. Uh, and, you know, the Giants won't want to commit too much to him after, you know, after considering his history. He was able to cut down on the turnovers a lot this year. When he was getting tackled, he wasn't just ejecting that football up in the air for a fumble. So that was really nice to see. On mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles side, you know, Jalen Hurts is, you know, he's, he's a man. You know, the only concern I have for fantasy football and the Eagles is, you know, obviously – Jalen Hurts being a rushing quarterback, you know, there's a lot of talent on this offense. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be hard for each of these guys to produce every single week to their expectations, but somebody's always going to produce in this offense is humming. Um, you know, what, you know, do you, Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, I guess you could pick your poison here. Do you have any thoughts on the game? Oh, just, they just purely dominated uh it's really really easy when Sirianni just has an advantage at every single position I think the one thing that's going to be interesting is they're about to lose their entire offensive staff um I think uh their offensive coordinator is going to get a head coaching job and you can see some struggles after that type of thing happens we saw it when Doug Peterson lost his coaching staff to the Colts which included Sirianni and Frank Wright so 
this is going to be a really interesting one to pay attention to just because of the fact that Frank Wright could be a guy that fills in for the Eagles offensive coordinator job once they're off OC leaves. So kind of seeing what that looks like next year. And then obviously Jason Kelsey could be a retire um, Lane Johnson, his injuries and stuff has been really tough. They've been really on the healthy side of things from the offense line perspective, basically this entire season until the very end. So They've been humming on offense, but once you play a full season at this level to a possible Super Bowl run, and you might even lose like one or two key guys that just mean more from a locker room every single down, like different things. They obviously drafted Cam Jurgens to replace Kelsey, but is he going to actually be that type of player? So we'll kind of see what they do on the offseason and just obviously dynasty outlook. I don't think you should be selling any of these players because it's I don't know if you're going to get what you really want. And buying these players seems like a very hard thing to do with the way that they're playing. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's going to be hard to match that production. Like I said, it just seemed to all go right for him. That offensive line is definitely going to have some question marks going in next year. So we will see what happens with that. Um, you know, but they do have, you know, the good news for the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Goddard's locked up for the next couple of years. A.J. Brown's locked up for the next couple of years. Devontae Smith's locked up for the next couple of years. I don't feel too bad for them. They, they certainly <laughs> got some good skill position players. Last up here, I didn't have a lot of notes. I didn't have time to write up a lot of notes for the game. But, man, I was shocked how this Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati game went. Um, I thought Cincinnati might have a chance. I thought Buffalo was going to win the game. But, man, and it's just Josh Allen couldn't get anything going today. That Cincinnati defense was suffocating. Joe Burrow did his thing. You know, um, I, I expected them to score 27 points. I just didn't expect Josh Allen to, you know, to just not have any production today. So, yep. you know, what were some of your thoughts? Why do you think Josh Allen just struggled today for so, for so long? Lou Anamaro is just one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. Like this, this guy from a scheme perspective is different every single week, every single drive. You see adjustments in game. They started bringing corner blitzes where Josh Allen was just blindly just drilled. Like for my perspective, I boiled this game down to Gabe Davis uh, basically needing to win in his one-on-one matchups, especially on the outside with the LA Apple or Cam uh, Taylor Britt. He did on one of the throws down the sidelines. They went and scored a touchdown. And then the next time he drops the pass and they obviously spent a lot. So like for me, looking at the bills, like they need a number two opposite of digs. They need to take as much as they can off of Josh Allen. Cause I'm seeing what Cam Newton went through in Carolina when we basically lost Steve Smith. This is kind of the situation where if you take digs off of the bills, I am not sure they're a top 10 offense. Josh Allen is phenomenal. He's one of the best in the NFL, but they need playmakers on the outside because competing with the T Higgins chase Joe Mixon, or even what you guys have in Kelsey uh, Kadarius, Tony and all the weapons. It's just difficult to see them kind of pushing those teams. And for me, that's just kind of where it's at. And I thought the game was going to be a 27, 10 win for the bills personally. I thought that one of these defenses were just going to have the significant advantage. It obviously went the opposite way of what I anticipated, but to my, like, no surprise that Luan Amaro is capable of doing it. He was bringing so many different pressures and mixing up looks. And he, just from a bracketed standpoint, knew how to stop digs. And we saw the Chiefs do it for every single time you guys matched up in the playoffs. Like, Stefan Diggs doesn't have good games against you guys. And everybody's like, why? And then all you see is Gabe Davis go for three to four touchdowns. Like, that's the re- that's the reason. There's a blueprint out there. Luan Amaro can copy it. He's one of the best in the game. And that's kind of why they were able to slow down this Bills team. And they need to look into wide receiver, too. And they're a team where DeAndre Hopkins makes every bit of sense. You know, do you do you think that that elbow affected Josh Allen down the yes. stretch? It just didn't. Yeah, it just didn't seem like he had. Yeah, like he just the turnovers became a lot more of an issue. The accuracy just seemed like it wasn't quite there. He was throwing those deep bombs like he always was. It just didn't seem to happen. So yeah, you you think he was affected by that a little yeah. bit? I think we're gonna find out a little bit more. I'm expecting him to get a surgery of some sort, whether it's like a cleanup or whatever the case, and it's gonna create some interesting discussion because of what we just saw from Matt Stafford's elbow in this off season. We're gonna compare it, and even though it's probably just totally something different i mean i leave the doctor's analysis to it i remember jess flynn uh for we were on a 33rd team call i think we even posted about it she basically said that she doesn't expect matt stafford to kind of give it a go the whole season she expected him to be out at some point and just not play anymore so i think kind of relying on that analysis is going to be what i'm going to do because i don't not a doctor but i just do know that josh allen obviously knew this was a time for him to do it and he was going to play through whatever he did. And again, 
the turnover thing is always funny to me just because I, I watched Josh Allen kind of be this way his whole career. He's just been on the opposite side of it. And the loss of Brian Dable is affected in their short game. They don't they didn't have any just quick money plays that you'd see to Cole Beasley or Isaiah McKenzie or just it felt like that portion of their offense just missed and they just went to four verts with uh, Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady at the call. Yeah, you know, and, it, and I'll tell you, it seems like they can hit on that enough, though, where it was like, OK, yeah, this is fine, I guess. You know, I mean, you're facing like, you know, some tactician efficiency like uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, though. That's not maybe going to be the case. No. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the Bengals offense, you know, they just seem like they do a really good job of, of building, you know, a lot of teams, you know, they might adjust. They they call their play and then they look at the defense and they might make some adjustments. They really base what they're doing off of what the defense is calling, you know, getting the defense uncomfortable, what they're not good at. So, yep. you know, I, I think they're going to play very well this weekend. Unfortunately for my Kansas City Chiefs, I expect T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, all to get them heavily involved. You know, how do you, how do you see this? You know, do you have any thoughts on this matchup coming up? you think this is going to be just an offensive shootout? you think it might be a little bit more surprising? These defenses might come to play? I mean, it's going to depend on Chris Jones. Uh, you guys just have to kill them on the offensive line. That's the only chance you got. I, Spagnuolo is one of the best at stunning and kind of bringing a lot of different looks from the defensive line perspective. Chris Jones has yet to have a sack, I believe, as a player for the Chiefs in the postseason, which is kind of crazy considering way how good he's been and how many games you guys have played in in the postseason. But the, the defense line of the Chiefs is where this game boils down to. I don't think you have a chance to stop them for a long period of time. But if you can create enough negative plays to slow them down on drives, that's all that matters. It's kind of like a bend but don't break approach. Make them be aggressive on like a fourth and five and, you know, get turnovers in that that way. Um, your corners, Legereus Sneed, I believe he got hurt in that Jaguars game. Seeing if he's able to go is going to be massive yeah. for defending uh, T. Higgins. Uh, Jamar Chase, I don't think you guys really have a corner that can kind of keep up with him. I mean, we saw Christian Kirk get open deep plenty of times in that game. He just, Trevor Lawrence underthrew him or dropped the pass on the deep ball. That's not going to happen when it's Jamar Chase out there. So I think it'll definitely be a little bit more like up-tempo, high scoring. But we could, if you guys play the way you can on the defensive line, we could see a similar half of Joe Burrow like we did in the AFC championship game where they weren't scoring at will, where it was a struggle for them because again, negative plays is how you stop in a top offense. Yeah. Frank Clark is going to be big this week too. Yep. Um, Frank Clark, you know, he's the one I, I was a chiefs fan. I, I, you know, I can't say enough negative things about Frank Clark most of the time, but he does bring it during the postseason. You know, he yep. makes, he, he's like Sammy Watkins of the defense. He likes to make all of his money during the B, you know, we pay him mil- $3 million a sack, but, you know, he does play well in the postseason. He did have a sack last week. You know, yep. I think he's going to be critical this week. Hopefully, you know, he can take advantage of uh, Jonah, either an injured Jonah. You know, I know Jonah Williams didn't play uh, this past no, week. It seemed, you know, that was going to be a really big – that was going to be a stretch, and I don't know if he can play this week. You know, that would be yeah. tough. I don't know if he'll even get a chance to play, even if he was healthy, because Carmine played out of his mind today. I don't think he gave up a pressure from what I remember seeing through just throughout the game. I was surprised that they blocked the Bills so well, but Bills are very, like, they're young in the offense or defensive side of the ball, especially without uh, Von Miller, especially in those trenches. But, like, they have a bunch of first and second round picks. There's no reason they should get shut down just the way they did in that big game. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to be nervous. You know, we are due for a win. We've lost three times against the Bengals in a row. I am ready for a win. There's no way Joe Burrow is going to beat Patrick Mahomes four times in a row. I'm calling it right now, even with an injured 75% Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Before we get into the dynasty talk, though, I just want to talk about WinBet one more time. WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. The NFL playoffs are here. Great promos, odds, and payoffs are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100 limited to state ability. And, of course, if you hit the biggest long-shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer segregated teams, change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 20 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, and with that, you know, we we both do our DFS analyst 
during the season. I, I, I'm certainly, I, I mainly did DFS analysis these last five months. DFS is in your name, so I know that's what you do. <laughs> but we're going to put in our dynasty hats today. You know, I am in over 30 dynasty leagues. So I do play a lot of dynasty football. It's just not where my content has been focused. But now that we are in prime dynasty fantasy football season, that is where we are headed at SGPN. The, you know, I'm just going to do this by position today. You know, I, I rank, I did these based on my quarterback buys and sells. And then you can either agree with me, you know, you can, you can take me down and tell me why exactly <laughs> why I'm wrong as well. Um, the first guy I have up here is Deshaun Watson. You know, I have him as a big buy this offseason. Now, you know, you don't have to. I, you know, we won't dive into all the case stuff here. You don't have to buy him. I understand why exactly why you wouldn't want to, but he did, you know, he he did have a 74.1 passer rate, you know, 5.7 yards per attempt. He struggled this year. There's no doubt about that, but I think that creates a good buy window. This guy finished as the quarterback five, three years in a row from 2018 to 2020. Uh, You know, I think. Obviously, these last two seasons, I imagine he has not been solely focused on football, not been practicing as much as these other quarterbacks have. Um, He's going to be able to have a full offseason this year Um, that, you know, Amari Cooper, I imagine, is going to be back. There's going to be, you know, Cleveland Brown has some stout players on the offense. So, you know, what are your thoughts on Sean Watson? You know, is he somebody that these dynasty managers should be buying? Do you think we'll see some improvement going forward next year? So my biggest concern with Deshaun Watson is Kevin Stefanski. I am not confident in him as a play caller. I, I don't know what it is about this offense, but their passing game concepts are just atrocious sometimes. That's the word I would use. I watched them against that commander's game. I actually stacked him that week and I was able to profit, but I just remember getting into the red zone and just watching how poor they're no motion, no creativity, like nothing kind of for you. And it's like, well, I get that he hasn't played all year, but you should be able to have some sort of play design in this area that is in passing game concept. So for me, I think this is a spot where I believe you can wait on buying him from the standpoint of you get by these first four weeks of him being bad with Stefanski and watch him be one of the first coaches that get let go quick in the season because of, you know, fully guaranteed money, $45 million a year, and then get into a spot where you're going to see someone else kind of step in. I I think this is a spot where you can wait on that regard because of, the situation that he's in and also this offense line regressed this offense line looked awful i the commanders i believe had six or four sacks in the first quarter against them they're an elite defensive line don't get me wrong they have a bunch of talent on that side of the ball but this is a browns team that everybody penciled in as similar to the colts where this team doesn't give up sacks it's a good offense line we're going to see a lot of jonathan taylor nick chubb's running well and nick chubb was running well but when they went into a pass blocking first team they struggled heavily. I'm not excited to buy right now unless he obviously, you know, every league's dependent on what the price is. But for me, I think this is a spot where he struggles early on. The person that's managing him will want to sell him quick. You know, that's very interesting. You know, I have a couple of guys that I'm thinking with that process on it. I, I actually want to buy long term. But, you know, I think like I'm, I'm going to talk about Brees Hall a little bit later. That's kind of how I feel about him. You know, I, I now do I think I do I want to buy long term Brees Hall? Yes, I do. But I think maybe now is a great time to sell, maybe get an equivalent asset, maybe buy back later, buy back, you know, a, a, you know, an equivalent asset later on, you know, with that ACL injury. But yes, Deshaun Watson, you know, I, I could see that a little bit of struggle, especially early on next year. You know, obviously, I, I don't have him as my quarterback. Five. You know, I'm doing 2023 way too early rankings right now, and I don't have him as my quarterback five for my redraft rankings. I'll tell you that I do have him as my quarterback five in dynasty, just because I really do think eventually we see him get back to that elite form. So Deshaun Watson. Yes. Um, yeah. Like I said, we, I think we both believe in the talent, but yes, will the Cleveland Brown offense be able to get it together? We will see. The next guy I have up here is Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, I, this guy, you know, I think a lot of players, you know, a lot of fantasy managers are well aware of how much, you know, he struggled these last couple of years. He hasn't met expectation, but you still have those people who love Lamar Jackson, who will have him as a top, you know, I have him as my quarterback five and my redraft ranking, my way too early redraft rankings next year. So I'm still very confident in Lamar Jackson. So I think it might be time to sell, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of seems strange, especially coming off an injury, but I still think he's high enough. Um, we, you know, we saw him have 10 touchdown passes in his first three games. Um, and then he was only a top 10 quarterback three times after week four. He threw seven touchdown passes after week four compared to 10 in those first three games. Um, 
yeah, and he's finished as the quarterback 10 in 2020, and he has been outside the top 12 these last two years. So since that MVP season, he has just not lived up to expectations. You know, part of that I do think is the Baltimore offense. You know, it just they have not surrounded him with any talent. They're almost like the Packers. You know, they're just they're just allergic to a wide receiver talent. They don't want it. Um, you know, they got it Rashad Bateman and we're like, yeah, good enough. Right. Um, so ever since Rashad Bateman actually went out, this offense has really struggled. Um, it just, nobody on the outside can get anything going. So, you know, they Baltimore, you know, the defense can just really focus in on Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, you know, just what were some of your thoughts on Lamar Jackson this year? You know, do you, do you think we see him bounce back to that quarterback one potential, or do you know the injuries are a factor the, the offense? So yeah. What are some of your thoughts going forward? So with Lamar Jackson, the the Ravens are claiming that they're going to give him the advantage to help pick their offensive coordinator. For me, I'm intrigued to see if that's just kind of a ploy of like, hey, you get to pick your OC, but you're getting less guaranteed money. Lamar Jackson, from a fantasy point stand or standpoint, I think we're referring to four touchdown passing league. I think he's going to be actually lesser value than people project going forward, even though he is quote unquote running quarterback that's going to get six rushing touchdown. I think Lamar Jackson wants to sit in the pocket and throw. I don't think he wants to run as much. I don't think he wants to take these hits because obviously he's getting hurt at this point in his career. And he did run a pro style scheme at Louisville. So he is capable of doing it. He threw 34 touchdowns. I believe led the NFL in passing touchdowns that specific season when he won the MVP. Obviously what makes Lamar Jackson super special is his ability to run. So it kind of, for me is, what offensive coordinator are they bringing in? Because Greg Roman is the best of the best for Lamar Jackson in fantasy. He's the absolute top tier offensive coordinator pairing you could have because of his run game scheme is the best in the NFL. There has been nobody that's been able to really quote unquote, slow it down. There's been teams that have dominated interiorly, but it's taken an Aaron Donald, Jeffrey Simmons type player to do so. So for me, that's kind of what it boils down to. As of right now, I agree with you. I think he's a sell. I think if you can get a pretty good return out of him, it's obviously what you should be doing. I think I would be taking it. Like if you could sell Lamar Jackson for Trevor Lawrence, I would do it. I think longevity wise. Okay, that Trevor I Lawrence. was I was wondering about that. that. Was exactly the comparison I had. I was going to ask you what what whether you were thinking Trevor Lawrence or Lamar Jackson. Okay, that's yeah, great. I, I think that's about where you should be, and I think you can get more than Trevor Lawrence. I think you can get Trevor Lawrence plus. Um, I wouldn't just go offer Lamar for Trevor Lawrence. I would just be like Lamar for Trevor Lawrence plus, you know, a 2024 second. I actually love the 2024 class. I'm not a big 2023 guy just yet. I think there's a lot of good talent at the running back position and top tier receiver. But 2024, I think Marvin Harrison just has my heart. I think he's going to be top tier guy. But going forward. Lamar is definitely a sell to me as well. I, I think this offensive coordinator situation is a really interesting one. I think if he ends up in Atlanta, because that's obviously a team that has the money to kind of give him a contract that maybe the Ravens don't want to do, that'll be a trade you'll regret just because I know Arthur Smith's not going to care about keeping him in the pocket and throwing the football. Arthur Smith has proven plenty that he just likes to run the football and Lamar could have another thousand yard rushing season there. So I, I think it just comes down to if you feel like he's going to be a Raven and you feel like he's going to get, you know, the offense coordinator of his choice, I would be selling him. If you think he's going to be a Falcon, I would keep him on the roster. Like it. Okay. You know, I was just for my next guy up here, I was just looking up the score of the game to see if it was still possible to sell him. And I'm realizing that um, my, my underdog teams are dead because I have 65% exposure to Dak Prescott in my playoff best ball league. So I am, I'm toast there. I'm pretty sure Dak Prescott has six points, but I had Brock Purdy as my next quarterback up. And, you know, I, this is like an exploding sell because I think, you know, he's just on the verge of falling on his face and he kind of is tonight. But if the San Francisco 49ers win and pull it out, I think you can still maybe get a second for this guy. But I just, you know, this guy was the last pick. I get it, you know, but it always happened. Like Gardner Minshew started off really hot. You always, I almost think that, like uh, film really matters to NFL defenses because they can really just tee off on what quarterbacks do well. So when a quarterback comes in like the first game or two, they might be hot. Like defenses don't really know how to handle them yet. So, you know, we see this a lot where, you know, a, a guy comes in and like, Oh, Taylor Heineke, you know, he takes over, you know, he's like, Oh, this guy's great. You know, and then defenses see what he doesn't do well and they take advantage of it. So, you know, I, I would be selling if Brock, if I could get a second for Brock, you know, people are expecting him to be the quarterback. If I could get a second for Brock Purdy and people expect him to be the starter for San Francisco next year, 
I am absolutely selling. I think that could change at any moment. If Brock Purdy uh, doesn't do anything the rest of this game, which is very possible, he's 12 of 20 right now for 129 yards. If that doesn't happen and 49ers lose, it's right back to Trey Lance. So um, I would I would be selling, you know, I'm, uh, if and I would be hoping he pulls out this game so it gives you another week. What are your, what are your thoughts? I don't think they go back to Trey Lance personally. Uh, okay. I do believe that Brock Purdy is a starter, but I do agree with you in the fact that you should be selling. I think I would be willing to wait to sell because I truly believe that they move on from Trey Lance. And I think he could end okay. up in Tennessee because of someone who was in the organization that drafted him ends up as the GM of the Tennessee Titans. And I think it's very clear that they are a team that needs to be scrapped and rebuilt. And I think that if, you know, you want to go in this running type of scheme, then Trey Lance makes a lot of sense over there. And I think that Trey Lance even posted a picture of the dude. And that's just rare to see a athlete post about a front offense guy changing spots. It's not something usually that communication isn't something you expect. But in general, I think this spot for Brock Purdy, like Jimmy Garoppolo, 27 touchdowns, 13 picks, 3,900 yards in a a full season of the 49ers that's kind of what your ceiling is like 27 passing touchdowns phenomenal like 13 interceptions i don't like that but like for brock purdy in this offense like christian mccaffrey's going to get a lot of rushing touchdowns elijah mitchell's going to get rushing touchdowns they're going to spread the ball debo's going to get rushing touchdowns like we didn't see this guy play with debo samuel for a good portion of his starts and we don't know how often they're going to be utilizing him in the red zone passing like again you're right. Yes, teams will adapt to scheme. Kyle Shanahan's going to mix things up, but in terms of passing with Brock Purdy in the red zone, I think it's fair to say that I would rather just assume that Debo or Chris McCaffrey or just continue to run the ball the way they do. Um, I think just overall, Brock Purdy, Purdy doesn't offer much of a ceiling. I think Superflex leagues, it's tough to really get a good price. But again, if you can get a second for him, I'll take a 20, 24 second. I'm, I'm not a huge 23 guy, but 20, 24 second. Or if you're a second round pick for whatever reason, your league is just really down on a Will Levis. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I'd take Will Levis over Brock Purdy. I'm mm-hmm. not the biggest Will Absolutely. Levis guy, but goes in a first round quarterback. I'll take that mm-hmm. any day over the seventh round guy that is performing in a, just an elite offense. See, the fact, the fact that that's a conversation is why I think we need to be selling Brock Purdy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's in conversation with a first-round quarterback right now. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So that that's why I think we need to sell You know, I just think, you know, I see him, those passes float a little bit when they go to the outside. I just don't know if he has the zip on that ball to be, uh, you know, consistent in the NFL for a long time. So we will see. Uh, we'll dive into the running backs, though. The first guy I have up here I was talking about, Brees Hall. Uh, you know, he this guy is just an athlete athletic machine 94th percentile in um, speed score burst score 40 yard dash Um, but i have him as a sell for dynasty football um, because you know the fantasy footballers did a great piece on this a little while ago you know you can look it up and check it out but you know it just showed you know just the the efficiency year before an acl injury you know the year after and then the second year after and it's just a significant drop off before a big pick back up in the second year with like all the all the efficiency metrics essentially. And, you know, I just think Brees Hall, you know, we always see this every single year. It's going to Brees Hall. It looks like he's probably going to start off slow next year. You know, the running backs come back limited. They come back in a timeshare. They're just not quite as explosive. You know, I'm going to talk about Cam Akers a little bit, but, you know, Cam Akers, we saw that explosion come back. You know, we see JK Dobbins was, as he got better, you know, he was looking way better. You know, they shouldn't have even brought him back at the beginning of the season. They should have just waited to bring JK Dobbins back. Um, So, I think, you know, Brees Hall is going to struggle a little bit, and it's just a rare opportunity that you – like, he's top three in Dynasty Fantasy Football rankings, and he's coming off an ACL injury. That's very rare. I'm taking advantage. I would love to switch out to a, to a wide receiver, you know, a quarterback in a super flex leagues. Then, you know, maybe after a few weeks you come back around to Brees Hall or you shop around for another running back, you know, another running back like right up there in those rankings. And, you know, so that's what my thoughts are. I'd be ready. I'm ready to cap. I would, you know, I think Brees Hall is going to be fantastic long-term. I'd be fine holding, but I'd like, if you're, if you're a savvy manager, you might look to sell while he has a slow start next year. I agree with you on the ACL injury. We've seen it just kind of time and time after again. I mean, this is just, it's a tough injury to come back from. I believe he had something similar to Dobbins. If I'm not mistaken, Mm, I think I might've seen something along the lines. I'm not super big in the medical profession. So obviously I've not quite sure i just kind of read and react to these types of things and i don't want to say every athlete's the same but 
it's just been proven that you're just a step slow. Like we're watching Michael Gallup and the Cowboys and just nowhere near the player he was last season. And the reason is, is because he needs that year under his belt to actually get back and get strength in not just your knee, but like your hamstring or like the areas around your leg that you are not using for a long period of time after being so accustomed to training it. Uh, Brees Hall is a sell for me as well. I think it would be like interesting where Brees Hall or Chris Olave. Like, what would you rather have? Ooh, I, I, I'd rather have Brees okay. Hall. I'd, I'd, I'd rather have Brees Hall. You know, I know, I know that Chris Olave is fantastic. That's just a tier below where I would want. I, I'd be trying to push it a little harder. Yeah. You know, can you get a Jalen Waddle? Maybe a, a T Higgins. You know, T Higgins. Maybe a, uh, maybe a Tyreek Hill. If you really, if you're if you're looking for an older asset, me personally, I'd probably still take Brees Hall, but I'm going a little higher. Maybe maybe add a little bit to Brees Hall for C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I just I, was, I felt like a good start with just kind of keeping the youth, keeping the same draft class. And I mean, obviously, quarterback situation in New Orleans is a is a dicey one. I wish we could say any of the top receivers, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Grizzle. I mean, every single one that went in the first round, it feels like I'm staring at their quarterback situation terrified yeah yeah you just you, yeah you wish they all you know what the scary part is they all had great years despite that so imagine if they did have a quarterback man like yep. garrett wilson chris alave uh drake london man that would be exciting yeah so we'll see what happens with that um but Brees hall sell mine you know i'm i i when i did my article on this i i said i'm absolutely fine holding on to Brees hall too you know just be ready that he's not going to be 100 next year Cam Akers is my next man up. And, you know, I think we are all aware of how uh, well that he played at the end of last year. But uh, dynasty, uh, like trade value charts and all these things that people look at are very slow to adjust. That's why I don't use them. But a lot of people do. So, you know, I'm highlighting Cam Akers as a sell, you know, maybe a second round pick right now. Uh, He was a top 13 running back in three of those uh, last four weeks, six touchdowns. Um, And, yeah, it just makes sense. He's one and a half years removed from that uh, Achilles injury. And, you know, it, it was crazy that he came back in the playoffs last year. And then even if he didn't come back in the playoffs last year, it would have been expected that he'd come back and be a slow start this year. So year and a half removed, that explosion seemed to come back. What are your thoughts on Cam Makers' play at the end of the year? I'm concerned for Sean McVay. Uh, I'm interested to see the situation kind of boil down there. Yeah. I, I think from the coaching perspective, he disappeared for a week and was like, trade me. And then just nothing came of it. They brought Baker Mayfield in. He showed back up and then became a 20 carry guy and was getting all these yards and touchdowns. Like it's an intriguing spot because of the way their roller coaster of the season went. And Sean McVay doesn't want to call plays anymore. That's kind of the reports out of there. He wants someone to come in and take over that from him, which is not what I want to hear as a person who would have game makers for the Rams. So I'm not so sure I would be buying into Cam Akers. I think selling him makes sense, but he is super low across everything that I am looking. I've looked at from the top website. So I do agree that at what these sites are telling me, yeah, no, I'll take the chance on Cam Akers because he's probably going to be the starting running back next year because they can't do anything in the cap. Like they can't do anything with the cap space. They don't have draft capital to be spending on a running back again. And I mean, between Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, they made a clear cut choice and just cut Daryl Henderson. And he is not with a team. And that kind of tells you what's going on there. I, I think that who they bring in for OC is going to be really intriguing. There's rumors that it's going to be Cliff Kingsbury, possibly. I would hate that for Cam Akers. But at the end of the day, I think McVay wants someone that's been a proven play caller. So it's going to be it's going to be scary once that's finally announced. Yeah, you know, I think all those storylines you said are, are going to keep his price down a little bit, too. You know, I do think those turn. I'm counting on that turning around a little bit. I think, you know, Matthew Stafford, he's going to get back into practice. Sean McVay, you know, he's going to get a little bit removed from those retirement talk. And I think, this, you know, this Rams, they'll start getting some hype going a little bit again. Um, yeah. You know, if I was doing rankings today, I think Cam Akers would be a top fringe top 15 running back in my room by my 2023 rankings. So, you know, I do think he can be value. You know, I'm not going out of my way but like you know a mid second round pick you know like especially you yeah. know in one quarterback league or something like that i'd certainly part with that um but yeah we'll see that's a, certainly a lot of question marks going in to the los angeles rams next year but those are kind of what creates those interesting buy opportunities last up here i have damian pierce as my as a dynasty sell you know i just uh you know i'm a i lean on draft capital a lot you know i just think you see these guys 
you know, fourth round pick, fifth round pick, you know, somebody like James Robinson, who maybe was even undrafted, just go overdrafted the next year. And this 2023 running back class is so deep. The free agent pool is so deep. You know, I, I know running back isn't a priority for a bad team, but man, it, it you know, you, you won't have to, you could just, you're going to be able to just jump out the window and hit a running back, you know, you know what I mean? So there's just so many running backs available this year. It's just a lot of minds that Damian Pierce is going to have to avoid. So, you know, do you think he is going to be the lead bell cow for the Houston Texans last year? You know, of course there is concerns about, you know, he was drop off in efficiency toward the end of the year, kind of getting beat up a little bit. So do you have any concerns? I do with him just from the standpoint of what they have in draft capital. I mean, they have five picks in the top 75 and with this class in particular, like there's a chance that Jameer Gibbs falls. And if somehow, some way they get Bryce Young at two and you're sitting there at 33 and you can draft Jameer Gibbs. Seems like pairing these guys with NFL or players that they've had in previous years kind of works. Go the route of one team in your division where you see Trevor Lawrence with Travis Etienne and kind of that works. And Gibbs is a pass catcher and kind of has all this stuff. And Damian Pierce would obviously play a really good backup role to um, Jameer Gibbs. But that's kind of the far-fetched type of thing because Cassiero comes over from New England. And it's been a rotation at running back for his entire life of a front office guy in New England. So is he going to try to go and try to pick someone with the four six-round picks that he has? That's a very good possibility. And again, Damian Pierce overachieved. I think he ran extremely well. I think there's a lot to like about him. It's just right now I'm seeing things where he's ahead of a Cam Akers. And I don't really think that should be the case. I think Cam Akers should be ahead of him in dynasty rankings. And if you could trade Damian Pierce for Cam Akers, I would do it. Um, I, I completely agree with that. Absolutely. Like I said, I'm, a, I, I lean on draft capital a lot in this situation. So, you know what I mean? And plus, you know, and this 2023 running back class is so deep. There's going to be a guy who, who can be a starter in this league available in the third, the fourth round, you know, it's a deeper than last year's class. So I think you're going to have a guy more talented than Damian Pierce available in the fourth round. You know, this is a guy who wasn't overly productive of Florida, wasn't overly used at Florida. So, you know, certainly far from that elite prospect profile. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. dive into the wide receivers, though, and this is the guy I know you're excited to talk about. Maybe I'll <laughs> let you even lead it off. Why sh- Why are we buying Jerry Judy this offseason? Well, Jerry Judy, just elite separators usually make plays for a very, very long time. And the Denver Broncos, after what they did with Nathaniel Hackett, they have to get an offensive mind that knows what's going on. And we can kind of blame what Nathaniel Hackett was, was because of what we saw at the ending stretch. Like the Denver Broncos offense looked competent once he got fired. <laughs> like they were able to actually put up some points at the end of the season. Granted, yes, it was the Chiefs and the Chargers, but once he got fired, they actually had 300 yards of offense back to back games. They ran the ball extremely well with some of the running backs that weren't named Javante Williams. And it was possible like Chase Edmonds, Latavius Murray, and I believe Marlon Mack, which is kind of crazy to say the least. But Judy prove to Russell Wilson that he can win and win against every bit of man coverage. And then also if they decide that they need to get draft capital, then he will be moved to a team that is wanting him on their roster. And we have seen a lot of these guys get moved and start to become the heavy target share player that they should be. Like if green Bay actually does the right thing, I think they're their team that just should be buying Jerry Judy because it's just very, very simple. But if they scratch it down, then Jerry Judy can go to a team that needs a receiver like the Giants. The Giants desperately need a player that could be a one. And it might not sound great to be Daniel Jones' number one receiver, but it's a Brian Dable offense. He would get put into a role that what we saw from Stefan Diggs. I remember how many people were very upset when Stefan Diggs ended up on a Buffalo Bills and they weren't, he was one with Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen can't throw and all these narratives were created, but then you realize that Josh Allen was playing with Kelvin Benjamin, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, and that receiving core just wasn't going to get it done. So I think Jerry Judy is an easy buy because if he gets sold, that means he's going to be in a spot that's better for him. And if he stays, I think he is the best receiver in this ro- or room. I don't care that Tim Patrick's coming back. He's coming back off a torn ACL. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, right. it's it's absurd. Like, yes, it's Tim Patrick doesn't affect <laughs> Jerry Judy. I, I like, and I was beating the drum all off season. I was just like, what is this? Jerry Judy is more talented than Cortland Sutton. I got ab- abused by the community, though. 
oops, sorry, I dropped my phone. And I just, I got bullied and they all, this, yeah, they, I just, I, I succumbed to the pressure. I decided that I was going to rank Cortland Sutton a couple spots ahead of Jerry Judy in my rankings. Mm-hmm. So I, I, but I did succumb to the pressure, which I'm, I'm ashamed to say, but I did have Jerry Judy mostly ahead in my rankings for mostly off season. So I was excited <laughs> to see him. And this guy just gets hate, like just hate, hated on for no, 856 yards his rookie year. Like normally we're like, that's what's great. And, but you yeah. know, all we talk about is Jerry Judy for the drops. Um, he was with Drew, you know, he suffered a high angle sprain in year two. Had Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater's quarterback. I'm not even ready to write off this Denver quarterback situation yet. Um, Russell yeah. Wilson, you know, I I know he sucked last year. Uh, maybe maybe it's just because he burned my Chiefs twice, but I I feel like he's still got it. We just <laughs> got to see what he does. Maybe you know, was Nathaniel Hackett an Urban Meyer style disaster potential? Oh, yeah. So you know, we need to we we maybe need to see what Russell Wilson uh, can do with a different with a different head coach in there. Yeah, I'll say this. And in Jerry Judy's last six games coming off of an injury and actually being able to be kind of somewhat fully healthy, one of the games he only played 38% of the snaps, he was on pace for 105 catches, 1,500 yards, and eight touchdowns. That's the pace that he played. Last six games of the season, if you extrapolate it to a full season, he was 128 targets. It was extreme efficiency. 105, 14, 82, and eight touchdowns. He scored... Three touchdowns in the game against Kansas City, obviously, which accounts for the touchdowns. But he had 65, 70, 76, 117, 38, and then 154. Like, that's a very, very good ending of the season with Russell Wilson. And he got 154 yards in the second game with Nathaniel Ackett fired. (laughs) Like... Very, very simple to just get this guy in the field. He's not like again, he's he might not be the elite one that people expect, but at the end of the day, he hasn't really under he's underperformed to what standards we set these guys at because Jamar Chase exists and Jalen Waddle and some of the other guys, but he's just been given a shorthand and had some unend or entry situations that just haven't gone his way. Yeah, and uh, yeah, wide receiver, like you were saying, wide receiver 11 in points, fantasy points per game since week seven. That's even longer than that six game stretch you were talking about. And he missed a couple games in there, but man, yeah, just, I, I love Jerry Judy, the talent I'll be buying, you know, especially like second, you know, when these rookie picks start getting crazy value, second round pick, absolutely sign me up. Uh, You know, I have Rashad Bateman as another player on my list that I'm going to be buying. Um, This is a player with a first round pedigree, 167 yards and two touchdowns in those first uh, couple games. Injuries have been an issue the first couple of years. And, you know, I think that's hampered his production a little bit. We've seen Keenan Allen, players like Keenan Allen, you know, start off with injuries earlier in their career and get it together. He's going to be definitely the wide receiver one in that offense, barring a major change. We know how the Ravens approach the wide receiver position. Um, yeah, I'm going to be sending out some offers for Rashad Bateman, you know, going forward. Do you, how, do you, how do you see his outlook going forward? I love Rashad Bateman, the talent, but I kind of treat this similarly to like Brees Hall, like the injury scares me. Andrew kind of just makes me a, a situation where maybe I can stay away and kind of buy when it's just starting slow. And cause you got to remember like, he's going to be coming off of a surgery. He's going to be working to train to get back to where he was. And then he's expected to learn an entire new offense. And then if it's not Lamar gain chemistry with the quarterback, he's never played with before. So there's a lot of factors where I could see him being in limited fashion um, I also have seen some crazy theories from other people that like they go and like, oh, they let go of Lamar, but they're the Ravens. They stay put and they go get Aaron Rodgers and just crazy nonsense like that. But for me, I think this is a situation where I shy away from buying him right now and wait till, you know, the season kind of starts because Lamar Jackson returning could scare people away from having Rashad Bateman because they're like, well, he all he does is run and he can't throw from the pocket and just all the other false narratives that are out there in Lamar Jackson. So I'd, I'd be waiting on the buy on this one. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I love all, you know, all those, all those concerns that you had, like I said, I always think that those create interesting buy windows. You know me, I like to lean on draft capital as well. So Rashad Bateman's just a super talented wide receiver I'm willing to take a chance on. Um, One of my tight end cells here here is, of course, you know, like I was saying in my article that I wrote for this one, you know, if a player isn't playing well, he's probably not a very good sell, is he? So I have TJ Hawkinson. He he played fantastic. He had his best year to date. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he was just a target machine. I'm trying to see what I have up here for him. Yeah, I mean, I think he averaged over nine targets a game since week eight. you know, Kirk, he was by far the second wide uh, targeted 
player in that offense certainly superseded Adam Thielen. Um, and yeah, I am just leaning on his history here. You know, I'm listening, uh, you know, George Kittle, um, Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey are the two tight ends who are fantastic and were fantastic almost every time they were got on the field. Uh, we've seen it with Darren Waller and George Kittle, kind of some of the inconsistencies, although they certainly have great games. Um, I just think that, you know, I think TJ Hawkinson is going to surge in the rankings this year. Either people are going to see that offense, the Vikings offense is going to be potent again. I think he's going to have significant. I think you're going to be able to get a really good wide receiver. I think TJ Hawkins going to have a good year next year. I would just rather pivot to a more consistent position, wide receiver, or maybe a younger running back, instead of depending on it. The tight end position that we know is extremely volatile. You know, players have surges and then they kind of fall off injury. You know, it's one of the more injury prone positions in the NFL. So I'm selling TJ Hawkinson. You know, I highlighted maybe potentially you'll maybe even get, get it might be hard after that last playoff game. Gosh darn it, Devontae Smith is playing so well. But I was maybe highlighting Devontae Smith as a potential player you could look for. Maybe you add, have to add a little bit to TJ Hawkinson at this point. But what's your thoughts on him going forward? I that's some interesting stuff from uh the TJ Hawkinson uh standpoint. I my thing with him is staying with Kirk Cousins, like Kirk Cousins throughout his career, when it's been a very talented tight end, he has just peppered him. Like, yeah, I, I think from a target standpoint. TJ Hawkinson will get the ball plenty. So like a tight end premium league, I'm scared of. But if it's like a PPR league where you're not getting the extra bonus point or half point for the tight end position and people are starting to look at TJ Hawkinson in the Kelsey type of tier or Mark Andrews or anything in that regard, I would be selling him. But if they're putting him in the Dallas Godair tier, I think you're just kind of evening value. You're not gaining anything. And for me, in a PPR league, I'm going to value that tight end pretty good especially one that's getting peppered in targets but again if it's like if it's half point ppr league and people are valuing him in the dallas go air tier i'll ship him off i'll take the chance on just not having him score a lot of touchdowns because i've learned in my half point ppr leagues it's just very simple you want touchdowns on your roster tight end position usually doesn't equate to a lot of volume to make up for a lot of that and at the end of the day i'll take one of the tight ends that we will i believe talk about over him just from his ability to probably get in the red zone and get in the end zone and be cheaper than DJ Hawkinson. Are, are you referring to George Kittle? I'm referring to David Njoku. David Njoku. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. We're going deep. You're going deep. Okay. All right. I like it. Okay. Hey. That was the, the next player I was going to have. I was actually going to skip George Kittle because, you know, I just wanted to keep it close to an hour here. So we'll finish up with David Njoku here because I, yes, I agree. He's a buy. I'm looking at that contract that he's getting paid. You know, he's going to be a future part of that offense. The Cleveland Browns threw a lot of money at a guy. He is the only guy. Okay. If Saquon Barkley takes his shirt off at a party, David Njoku is the only guy comfortable enough to also rip his shirt off. I mean, there are muscles coming out of him. You know, he has that Saquon Barkley physique. It is just insane. You know, so I'm willing to take a chance on that, you know, especially at the tight end position where we're just, you know, we're grasping for talent. I'm yep. I'm willing to take a, a chance on that athletic machine. Uh, he, we, you know, despite missing games this year, you know, he, I mean, you can fall into the tight end 10 position, really. But he was the tight end 10 in PPR leagues this year. Uh, that's not saying a whole lot given the position. But um, I just think as Deshaun Watson takes a step forward, I think, you know, he could end up being the second target in this offense. I think he is a massive buy. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, I remember Jordan Aikens being a guy for people to play in DFS. Like I played him plenty when Deshaun Watson was over there in Houston. And I think it's a situation where, again, I think in the red zone, like we've seen, obviously, the running backs, they give them the ball plenty, but they tried to throw the ball a ton in the red zone with Watson. I didn't love the pass game concepts from Stefanski, which doesn't intrigue me on David Njoku. But in a situation, if it's going to work, this is the type of thing that needs to work because in the NFL, if you look at the teams that are left, all these teams have really good tight ends. <laughs> like the Giants, obviously, got blown out. you just look at Dallas Godair, Kittle. I mean, Hayden Hurst isn't a really, really good tight end, but they have two alphas at the receiver position and a third that's really good. But in Hayden Hurst had 17 DraftKings points today, made plays to win the game. That's very important in the offense, especially in the postseason. So I believe that David and Joker from a talent perspective is someone that we should be buying. I love it. I, you know, I feel, I feel like we're, I feel like we're going to win some people <laughs> some championships today is what I feel like. It'll be pretty um, good. Thank you so much for joining me, man. What are you working on coming up? Where can we find some of your stuff? You got any big projects coming up? 
Yeah, the 33rdteam.com. You'll see uh, any of my content, Jordan Vanek. Uh, I believe I'll have some cool interviews on the week again. I'll be starting to grind some senior bowl content. I'll actually be heading out there to interview some players and see, get to see an event and be writing up a lot of articles on what I am seeing from these receivers in practice. I love it, man. That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, have fun doing that. The senior bowl is always like, you know, kind of like the Mecca of like, you know, the kind of the you know fantasy football community. It's almost like the fantasy football expo, except, you know, kind of another event everyone yep. gathers at. So have fun. Um, you know, we'll be doing, um, I know I was doing kind of underdog fantasy football this year up until this point, but now I'm going to be switching my focus to a little bit more dynasty. We'll be doing these shows on Sunday. Now um, I release articles every week on SGPN TWSN as well, featuring some dynasty content. So you can find my stuff there. Thank Enjoy the rest of the game, everybody have a great uh, weekend and we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much. No problem.